0: Hello, and welcome to the White's Chapel Sermon Podcast. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen to our weekly sermons. This is a quick way to enjoy, or even revisit, a recent message.
1: We're really wrapping up our Blueprint series, and I really have loved this time to think together about the church, to think together about where God is leading us, who we are, and why we are, and, 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 and where we are, and where we are going. So you know each week we've looked at our vision statement, And let it guide us, because this is kind of how we guide ourselves in our ministry through the years. Let's look at what we've talked about this series. We talked about our job is to engage the heart. That's missions and outreach. Stir the soul, having powerful worship that helps us connect with God. Challenge the mind, discipleship, Christian education. And today we're talking about connect the body, evangelism, community, and involvement. And there's a word that we use when we talk about that and that is radical hospitality, because that is what Jesus came to bring to the world. In a world that was divided in haves and have-nots, Jesus came with a radical message that all people are God's children, and the length and breadth of God's love for them is just more than we can ever fathom. God so loved who the world, and when we carry on Jesus' ministry, we're called to carry on his understanding of radical hospitality. In fact, we began, and we talked about, it and I shared a little story, when we were building this sanctuary back in 2000 and 2001 and 2002, you may remember, and the height of construction, 9-11 happened. And you see the picture. Steel was coming up out of the ground, and you remember what kind of happened to the economy in those weeks afterwards. Everything came to a standstill. Boy, there was a, there was a, a messed up kind of supply chain got, got thrown off. Prices were escalating with construction, and to be honest with you, we were on a very fixed budget and didn't know, I I was worried would we be able to get this built. And so in the midst of time, trying to make it all happen, I discovered a word, not a word, it's a phrase, two words that are not my favorite phrase, value engineering. Um, And what that means is you're on a fixed budget. And so costs are going up. you got to cut things out of the project to make it happen. It's painful. It's difficult. It is challenging. Those were hard times. And I just want to say a word of thanks because one of the huge battles in value engineering that we won, our building chair at that time was Mr. Jeff Miller, who was here guiding us. Jeff fought for us to keep the wood ceiling because they wanted to take it out, and Jeff just dug in, Jeff, thank you so much for helping us through that time and for your leadership. But I I say that because so often with that phrase value engineering, I wonder when we get busy as a church that sometimes we get so busy doing all the good things that we do, mission, and outreach, and worship, and Christian education and ministry to children and youth and adults and senior adults, we get so busy that sometimes we value engineer radical hospitality, and we forget that we are called to welcome and love and include all of God's children, to bring them in to the church. That's why I love the video that we saw and this wonderful ministry Pastor Lori is leading for us, to be reminded of that message, that we are all God's children and we all belong to Jesus. It's so important that when we go through a list of what we're about, that radical hospitality is not just last on the list as an afterthought, it permeates everything else that we're about. I was thinking back in the 70s, in NYF, we sang about it. We're saying they will know we are Christians by our love, by our love. Yes, they'll know we are Christians by our love. And you remember the beloved disciple John and his letters to John, 1 John, chapter 3 and 4. He reminds us of this truth. John writes, little children, let us love, not in word or speech, but in truth and action. And then in chapter 4, he writes, beloved, let us love one another. Because love is from God, everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love." I want us to get that. I want us to share that together. Let's recite First John chapter 4 together. Would y'all say this with me? Beloved, let us love one another, because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love." It's the heart of the Gospel. And Jesus is going to show that in a beautiful way in our Scripture passage for today. So if you have your Bibles, let's turn to Luke chapter 7, and we're going to read verses 36 through 47. Luke 7, 36 through 47. Hear the Word of God. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and took his place at the table. And a woman in the city who was a sinner, having learned that he was eating in the Pharisee's house brought an alabaster joy of ointment. She stood behind him at his feet, weeping, and began to bathe his feet with her tears and to dry them with her hair. Then she continued kissing his feet and anointing them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw it, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet," He would have known who and what kind of woman this is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. Jesus spoke up and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. Teacher, he replied, speak. A certain creditor had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debts for both of them. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the greater debt. And Jesus said to him, you have judged rightly. But the one to whom little is forgiven loves <clears throat> little." This is one of those stories It's the heart of the Gospel. So remember what's going on, Jesus comes to town, and there's a Pharisee that invites him to dinner, a Pharisee named Simon. Now we might wonder, the enmity between Jesus and the Pharisees was growing at that time. Why did Simon invite Jesus over? Well, we can wonder, maybe he was looking for information to have against him, to bring up charges against him. Maybe he was looking for that, or maybe he was a collector of celebrities. He had heard the, peop- heard the people making a fuss about Jesus, wanted to see what all this Jesus business was all about. We can wonder why, but what we see is when Jesus arrived, he treated him, honestly, with a very cold, uh, reserved civility, really more than that, he treated him with disrespect. Because in that day and time when you had a guest to your home, there were three things that you would do. First you would welcome the guest by putting your hand on their shoulder and give them a kiss of welcome, that you were so thrilled that they are there. Then you would wash their feet because the roads were dusty. It was a way of preparing them to enter the house. And then you would take a little oil, a little ointment, and you would anoint their head as a way of saying that you're an honored guest and I'm glad that you are here. Those were the things that were expected, but Simon did none of them. And on this scene that had to be awkward and uncomfortable, in comes this woman of ill repute, of a bad reputation, and she goes overboard in her greeting. She just welcomes Jesus with all of her heart. I love what verse 38 said. She stood behind him at his feet weeping and began to bathe his feet with her tears and dry them with her hair. Then she continued kissing his feet and anointing them with the ointment. And the people were scandalized. This was not done in society like that. And even more than that, Simon said, if you're really a prophet, then you would know she's a sinner. You would not have any contact with her. You would not let her touch you. How dare you do this? He is scandalized by what he just saw. And to his charge, I love how Jesus answered by telling a story, by telling a parable about forgiveness and saying that if someone has a debt and they are forgiven, that their gratitude over the, the forgiveness that they have received overflows in love. So if you've been forgiven much, great is your love, great is your appreciation, and he summarizes the teaching in this last verse, 47, I tell you, her sins which were many have been forgiven, hence she has shown great love, but the one to whom little is forgiven loves little. Do we realize what we have been given in Jesus Christ? Ken, you sang it for us. All our sins have been forgiven. We've been washed by the blood of the Lamb, by His sacrifice on the cross. When we realize what we have been given and we realize the depth of forgiveness, we will have a a same kind of depth of love, and love isn't ours to keep. It overflows in the way that we love others, the way that we love those whom Christ loves. With great forgiveness comes great love. And see, that ought to be the principle of the church. Do we know and model Jesus' love to the world so when we're hurting and when we lose our way and we feel like we don't belong, does the embrace, the community of the faith, of the church, does it give us love and share with us how much Christ loves us? Remember the old story? about the man who was retired, he was 90 years old, and for 25 years he had played golf nearly every day of those 25 years of retirement. But he came in one day and he was down in the dumps, he was upset, he was disgusted, and he turned to his wife and said, Honey, I am through. I quit playing golf, I could still hit the ball, but I just can't see it. I spend all my time hunting for the ball, I can't see well enough to play anymore. Well, the wife was so compassionate, And she was understanding. She brewed him a pot of tea and served him the cup of tea and said, Honey, maybe you ought to give golf one more chance. Why don't you take my brother with you to the golf course? Well, the man said, What in the world good would that be? Your brother is 103 years old. How in the world can he possibly help? And the wife said, Well, yes, he's 103, but he has perfect eyesight. So he agreed to take him. The next day they went to the golf course. And he went and he teed off on the first hole, just crushed it down the fairway. And he was trying to follow the ball, squinting, and he couldn't see, so he turned to his brother-in-law and said, did you see the ball? And his brother-in-law answered, absolutely, I could see it. I could just see perfectly. My eyesight is perfect. And so his brother-in-law turned to him and said, well, where is the ball? And the brother-in-law answered, I don't remember. corny old story. But that's the church. In our weakness, we lean on each other and we help each other. It's what Christ's love calls us to do. So we encourage people who are about to quit and we embolden people who have been afraid to start and we reach out to people who think they don't belong. You see, this radical hospitality needs to be in our DNA as a church.
0: Because, friends, we're, we're, we're not just the church when we're in here, more importantly, we're the church when we're out there, at least we're supposed to be. In fact, uh, last week Pastor John and I got to go to, we got to go to Arkansas. We had been invited up to, uh, to give a lecture on Saturday. We stuck around and, and uh, preached a couple of revival services on, on Sunday. and so. We were headed up uh, to, to Arkansas last week. We we're in Pastor John's car, and we were uh, we were making some pretty good time on I-30. Uh, I'll be honest, we were we were going at a healthy speed uh, on I-30 headed north. We were trying to get to Texarkana before before lunchtime because someone just loves the El Chico in Texarkana, um, <laughs> and so we were we were making good time. I was uh, I'm keeping up with the flow of traffic in uh, in the left lane, and you know we were we were northbound hammer down and like it always happens before before I realized what had happened, I noticed that, that we had passed a sheriff's deputy parked over on the the, the, the shoulder of the road and, and I like I bet most of us do anytime we pass a police officer, especially if we know we might be going a little north of the speed limit, um, pass them and immediately I checked the speedometer and thought don't know. I don't maybe I can get away. It was like it was like in that gray zone. Uh, maybe I can get by with this one, maybe not. And, and Pastor John, for his sake, Pastor John was completely unaware. He was completely oblivious that any of this was going on. He was sitting in the passenger seat, so happy as a little lark. He was, he was talking on his cell phone, on speakerphone, of course. Um, he was talking to a, to a buddy of his, ironically, his buddy just happens to be a lawyer, and uh, so I didn't tell him any of this was going on because as soon as I looked at my speedometer and noticed that I was going a little north, of a little, I was being a little gracious with the speed limit, um, I looked back up like probably most of us do, I looked back up in the rearview mirror just in time to see that sheriff's deputy pull off the, the shoulder of the road and enter onto the highway. And I thought, mm, is it me? Is it me? I was in — there was a big, long line of traffic, I, I just wasn't trying to impede the proper — the healthy flow of traffic, right? Um, I, I didn't know was it wasn't me, so I didn't, I didn't tell Pastor John any of this. I just kept letting him talk on the phone. I pulled over into the right-hand lane, hoping, hoping against hope that that sheriff would just pass right on by and get someone else. Well, you know what happened? Sheriff's deputy pulled right in behind me, hit us with the, the red and blues, and I, said, I looked over at John. I was like, man, um, man, you need to hang up because I'm about to get a ticket. And so pull off, pull off on the side, of the road. pull off as far onto the shoulder as, as humanly possible. I wanted to give as much space, as much area for that, for that, that, that officer to come up on the, the roadside of the car. I'm pulled over so, so far, give, give him a lot of space, I, I put the car in park, I rolled down the window, I turned the car off, I kept my hands at 10 and 2, I did everything! I did everything my dad taught me to do to, to try to avoid, to try to get out of what was naturally and rightfully coming my way. And, uh, Pastor John helped out by, by going into his, his panicked, overly apologetic mode <laughs> for us. Um, and the, 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 the deputy comes up and he introduces himself. He is a, a sheriff's officer with the, uh, with the Franklin County Sheriff's Department uh, out there. And, um, and he said, guys, the reason I pulled you over... Uh, this afternoon is because I noticed, I noticed whenever you passed me back there that you don't have a front license plate on your car. And I'll be real honest with you. I, as one of your preachers, I will confess at least two things to you. One, I was so relieved. I, I sighed a deep breath of relief whenever this guy didn't say anything about my speeding. And number two, I didn't have any clue. I didn't have any idea that in the state of Texas, you have to have that second license plate on your, phone, uh, on your car. I didn't realize that there's a $200 fine for not having that front plate on, on your car. But nonetheless, we got pulled over for it. Nonetheless, he, he asked for my driver's license, and, and he asked for the insurance on the car. And so, Pastor John went fiddling around, went, went, went searching around in his glove compartment. And Guess what else he found in the glove compartment? The license plate. Um, <laughs> The license plate that we were getting pulled over, for it was right there, and we showed it to the officer. He wasn't real impressed with that. Um, but he found, he found a, an insurance card, gave it to me, I passed it on to the officer. The officer looks at it and says, um, this is nice, gentlemen, but do you happen to have a more recent insurance card? And I looked at Pastor John, apparently I looked at Pastor John with this look that said, if I get a ticket for this, I'm going to kill you. Um, he searched through again. found. Found an insurance card, gave it to the officer. We we only ended up getting a warning. We got a warning citation. I say we got a citation for it. Look whose name is on the warning up there. Uh, I got a warning for this. Uh, You'll you'll be happy to know that ever overachieving Pastor John already has that front license plate attached to the front of his car. Um, And I share all of that. I mention all of that. Simply say that the. The point of all of that is that for as slight a thing as it is to have that second license plate on our car, for as slight a thing as it it is to have that second license plate where it's supposed to be and just walking in this morning, there are a whole lot of law-breaking Methodists out there in our (laughs) parking lot. Um, I have begged Officer Page and our security team, please don't go looking around, just turn it off. Just turn it off this morning. For as slight a thing as it is for us to have that second plate on our car, in the state of Texas, we don't have a choice. Even if, even if like Pastor John's car, even if there's not a place for it, you just make a place for it. Because we don't have a choice, and the same thing has to be said for hospitality. The same thing has to be said for love, We we just don't have a choice. We have to make a place for it when it comes to love and grace and mercy and forgiveness and compassion and goodness and gentleness. We have to make a place for it. There is no choice because Jesus himself, none other than Jesus Jesus himself commands it of us. You shall love your neighbor as yourself, he says. And there's no loopholes there. There are no exclusions, no exemptions, no caveats. We just have to love. And we get this, right? Like we get this in times of, of hardship. We get this in times of crisis. I mean, Carrie and I, we were watching the news this past week, and we were watching how the residents of Southwest Florida are still helping each other out, how they're still supporting one another after the dev- devastation of, of Hurricane Ian. We saw how the, the worst, how the worst situations in life, how they have this tendency to bring out the best in us. But what I'm, I'm really worried about this morning, what really more concerns me this morning is, is how the opposite of that has, has a tendency to be true as well. How when we're doing good, how when things are just gravy, how, how when we're at our best sometimes that's what brings out. That's what brings out the worst. Because in this very room, right now, in this very room, on any given weekend, there, there are crises of, of all sorts and flavors. There are personal crises and family crises and marital crises and kid crises and health crises. We have professional crises, job crises, spiritual crises. And I wonder, I wonder. I wonder how we live out the truth. I wonder how we live into the truth of this passage right here in times like that. Um, and I think, I think there are a couple of lessons. I think there are a couple of lessons in, in the this, this song that I think a lot of us probably grew up singing in church. Deep and wide. Deep and wide, deep and wide. There's a fountain flowing deep and wide. We're called to be a church that, that goes deep. That's, that's what we've been talking about all month, being a church that, that worships and serves and studies and prays deeply, a church that loves deeply, a church that invites, a church that welcomes, and a church that, that, that asks people to take that first step of faith, or, or maybe it is that we're that church that asks folks to take their next step of faith, realizing that we've all got a next step. But truthfully, we, we know that in a church of our size, that's, that's a whole lot easier said than done. We know that in a church of our size, it's really easy to kind of get lost, to lose our way. It's kind of like this double-edged sword. Because we have so many opportunities, because there are so many options, it's hard for us sometimes to, just to know where to begin, where to start. And that's why, it's, that's why it's so critically important for us, for each and every one of us to find our place to to find our place to plug in, that, that small group where we can plug in. Because that's, that's how a big church grows small. That's how the church becomes my church, by getting involved, by, by joining a Bible study, by, by, by joining the choir or the orchestra or the worship team, or, or, or joining a, a service team, a missions team, just, just, somewhere, for to, to just somewhere for us to form a connection, to somewhere for us to form a. A real connection, a, a deep connection. Because, can you just can you imagine? Can you just imagine what it what it must have been like to be this woman here? She was she was shamed, she she was shunned. She was ignored. She was, she was used up and then pushed down and then just tossed aside. She was discarded, devalued this woman. Can you imagine what it must have been like to be her, to, to be this woman here? to, to be this woman who maybe, this, this woman who maybe never ever experienced real true love. This woman who, who, who maybe never looked into the eyes of a man to see love? reflecting back to her, can you imagine what that must have been like? And then can you imagine this? Because she found something different in Jesus. She felt something different with Jesus, Uh, a connection, a connection that compelled her to give the only thing, it compelled her to give the one thing that was wholly, truly hers. Her tears. And in that moment, in that holy moment, on that, that holy ground, as the purity of her tears washed away, as it, as it cleansed away the filth from our precious Lord's tender feet, she found cleansing too. She found healing too, she found hope too, she found meaning too, and how how many people are in this community, how many are looking for that exact thing too? And how many of us, how many of us are looking for that exact thing too? This woman, she gave what she could, the only thing that she could, the thing that only she could. She gave herself. And tradition would tell us that, that her life would never ever be the same. But as for this Pharisee, as for this, this poor Pharisee, this old Simon guy, we never ever hear about him ever again. All we get left with is this, all we get left with is this really sad, this tragic, all we get is this, this haunting little footnote. The one for whom little is forgiven, that person, that person loves little. And as God's redeemed and forgiven children, friends, surely, surely we can do better than that. Surely we can go deeper than that, deep and wide. Because that sort of forgiveness, that sort of forgiveness, it's supposed to change us that sort of forgiveness, it's supposed to to soften us, it's it's supposed to make us more willing to give that thing, to give those things that are are, are wholly, truly ours to our tears, to give our brokenness, to give our stories. Because that's how we share the faith. That's how we grow wider. By sharing the stories of of what Jesus has done for us, to to share the stories about the difference that Jesus has made in our lives, and just like like with that that license plate, we still don't have a choice. In fact, when we have that moment, if we ever have this sort of moment with Jesus, when we have one of these powerful sort of moments, we can't help but to share it. To share that good news with everyone that we know, and we we don't do it in any sort of braggadocious sort of way. We don't do it in some smug, spiritually superior sort of way. Uh, in fact, uh, a couple of weeks ago, a good buddy of mine sent me this text, and, and it made me laugh, but then it made me think. And I think a lot of us — maybe, I mean, this was forever ago — a lot of us wore these WWJD bracelets, you know, that was a good way to try to make our decisions. It was a good way to, to, to kind of gauge life. Um, but. But honestly, reality is not so much WWJD, what would Jesus do in this situation, more the reality is J-W-P-N-H-G-H-I-T-S-I-T-F-P. Jesus would probably not have gotten himself into the situation in the first place. (laughs) Which means we're going to have to listen. Which means we're going to have to be creative. It means we're going to have to to learn to to follow the the guidance and, and the wisdom of the holy spirit in life and in life's situations because faith sharing faith sharing it's not about having all the right answers faith sharing it's it's not about winning all the theological debates it's not coming out the cleanest in a mudslinging contest faith sharing is simply and only it is all and only about Jesus Christ the way He's loved us, and the way He's received us, and the way He's forgiven us. It is all and only about Jesus Christ, His life and death and resurrection, and the difference that has made in our lives. It's about us, we, we humbled sinners who have tasted the goodness of God, sharing His love for all, with all. It's deep and it's wide. And that, that's what our connectional blueprint looks like. That's, that's what we want to do. This is who we want to be. We, we as a church want to grow smaller. We want to help people connect to God and to each other. We want to help them build deep and lasting and life-giving relationships here, founded on the Gospel. We, we want to create welcoming environments for all people. We want to create spaces and opportunities for folks to find families of the heart in this, this lonely and transient community of ours. We want to, to intentionally engage our guests and our new members with easier honor ramps to find their place at Whitechapel, their place to plug in. We want to be better neighbors. We want to be better neighbors to the communities that, that surround us, because each of them have their own struggles. Each of them have their own needs. Each of them have their own missional opportunities. And then lastly, when it comes to evangelism, when it comes to faith-sharing, we're, we're going to try softer. Right now, we're working on a strategic plan. Right now, we're working on this, this initiative, our Try Softer initiative. You'll be seeing a lot more of it here coming up. But in life, when, when trying harder just isn't working, we're going to try softer. Try softer to, to share the love and the grace and the mercy, the good news of Jesus Christ with, with those in our path. That's, that's what we want to do. That's who we want to be. A church that falls at the feet of Jesus, that experiences His tenderness and His mercy and His grace and His love. A church that then rises up forever changed. A church that rises up deployed. And when I mean change, I, I don't mean just, you know, a, a slight renovation. I mean a total rebuild from the inside out, because that's our blueprint. And it's not just, it's not just a, a blueprint for our future. Friends, it's a blueprint for our faith as we pray. Our God, um, this morning we, we fall at your feet and we confess that we are not who you have asked us to be. Lord, forgive us. Forgive us for, for hearing your call to be both deep and wide, and forgive us for making for, for making your call so shallow. Lord, we, we pray that you would come to us, that you would embolden us, that you would draw us close, Lord. God, give us the courage to follow where you have led. God, help us to follow, help us to welcome you, help us to share you as we ought. In fact, this morning, oh God, we pray this morning, I pray for, for the one in this room, for as many as there are, God, for the one in this room who would, who would confess that they don't know you one that would confess that right now they're just playing games there's such a distance there's a polite distance and Lord I pray for the boldness to to grow closer to, to take that first step God I pray for all of us that you would give us the boldness to take our next step and that we would be your children that we would show your love that we would first feel your love experience your love that we then might show it that we might show it off to the world and so God we pray come to us and take us and change us God use us Lord, use us all and only for the glory of your name because it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen.
1: Thank you for joining us. Please
0: make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss new releases. We'll have new podcasts coming out all the time. Be sure to check us out online at whiteschapelumc.com. Please download the WC Life app and follow us on social media to stay up to date with all things WC.